Good evening and Merry Christmas to everyone. If you're visiting with us, we thank you for being our guests. I was reading a story about uh, a young girl. It was the Christmas season and she was at a church and her Sunday school teacher asked all the children to draw a picture of the Christmas narrative as they perceived it. Well, she drew her picture and she went home and she waved the paper in front of her mom and said, Mom, the teacher said I drew the most unusual picture. The mother grabbed the piece of paper and she looked at it and she said, yeah, this is unusual. She said, uh, there's an airplane with all these people in it. She said, who's at the front of the airplane? And she said, well, that's the flight into Egypt. And she said, that's uh, Pontius the pilot. <laughs> and she said, okay, well, I see uh, Mary and Joseph sitting in the plane with baby Jesus, but who is the big man sitting behind them? To which she said, Mom, that's round John Virgin. <laughs> Some of you are getting that. Well, that's what we're going to talk about this evening. We don't want to talk about round John Virgin, but we want to talk about how to keep the Christmas spirit all year. Now, many of you probably have had the unpleasant experience of watching a Hallmark movie. Any of you watch Hallmark Christmas movies? Now, some of them are good. Some of them you would say, okay, that wasn't a bad one, but most of them are cheesy. Have you noticed in the Hallmark movies, it's almost like Christmas is the be-all, end-all? And it's always the same theme, right? Two people fall in love, they kiss under the mistletoe, usually a farm or a hotel or some business is going under, they have a fundraiser, and everybody drinks hot chocolate, and there's not hot chocolate in the cup. Well, listen, we know the world celebrates Christmas once a year, and Christians, we do as well, because Jesus was born at a particular time. It wasn't December 25th, but that's a whole other discussion. But nevertheless, we celebrate Christmas once a year to commemorate the birth of Christ. But here's the question. How do we keep the Christmas spirit all year? That's what I want to talk about this evening. So I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2, and we want to look, beginning at verse 15, the subject of how to... Uh, keep the Christmas spirit all year long. Now remember, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and when he was born in Bethlehem, there were a group of shepherds out in their fields keeping watch over their flocks, and an angel came to the shepherds and basically announced this monumental birth known as the birth of Christ. And to give you the context of the passage that we're going to be looking at this evening, notice what happened in verses 10 through 14 when the angel, probably Gabriel, announced to these shepherds who were considered outcasts the birth of Christ. But the angel said to them, that is the shepherds, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, and suddenly... There appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And so we see here the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you may be sitting here this evening going, I'm not sure Jesus lived historically. Do we know that Jesus lived historically? Well, it's a whole other discussion, but... We do have sources outside of the Bible that basically tell us that Jesus lived historically. In fact, if you read a lot of the secular sources that talk about Jesus, and you were to list what they say about Jesus, it's congruent with what the four Gospels teach about him. 
And listen, the four Gospels are based on eyewitness testimony. And so some of you may wrestle with, was Jesus really born historically? And the answer is yes. I would encourage you to investigate the claims of Christ. But as this monumental birth happened, we see how Mary and Joseph and the shepherds responded. And there are five responses from the shepherds and Mary and Joseph that help us to keep the Christmas spirit all year. Let me share them with you this evening. First of all, if you want to keep the Christmas spirit, you must seek after Christ. You must seek after Christ. Notice what he says, beginning in verse 15 and 16 of Luke chapter 2. It says, When the angels had left them, that is the shepherds, and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And so we see right away that once they were given the revelation by the angel, the shepherds went and they searched for Jesus Christ. And the word search there means to go after something intently, kind of like when you lose your keys. We've all had the unpleasant experience of losing our keys, and we're intently searching the house or our car in order to find those keys. Well, these shepherds intently went to look after Jesus. Now, Bethlehem at that time was a small village. It was probably anywhere from 500 to a couple thousand people. And so we don't know how long it took them to find Jesus, but the sign was you will see a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And so they sought after Jesus Christ once they were given the revelation by the angel. You know, the Bible says once we become a Christian, we are to seek after Christ. Just like the shepherds sought after Jesus, the Bible says that we're to seek after Jesus. He's to be the number one priority in our life. Jesus said this in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Notice he doesn't say seek your job first, although your job is important. He doesn't say seek your family first, although your family's important. He doesn't say seek your retirement first, although there's nothing wrong with retirement. Jesus said we are to make the center and circumference of our life the pursuit of him. In Colossians chapter 3, here's what the apostle Paul said. I love this verse. He said, since then, you have been raised with Christ, now that you're a Christian, set your heart on things above. Now, the heart represents your affections. Your affections ought to be on the things above. Now, this doesn't mean you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. But there are too many Christians that are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. He says also in verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now notice, when we set our heart on the things above, we're going to set our mind on the things above. And when we set our mind on the things above, we're going to set our heart on the things above. You see, this speaks of seeking after Christ. And I realize some of you may not know Christ. And this is a great opportunity to come to know Him. But once you enter into that relationship with Christ, the Bible says God wants us to seek God and Christ. And you know what I have found? There are many things in our world that vie for our attention. Some of them are good things. They're not necessarily bad things. But if we're not careful and we're not singularly focused, what can happen is it will pull us away from seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. I love what Hebrews chapter 11 says. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. And he who comes to God must believe that he is 
and a rewarder, watch this, of those who seek him. In other words, if you seek God, you will find him and he will reward you. That doesn't mean you'll be rewarded materially necessarily. But God wants us to seek him as a priority. You know, I've been trying to teach my granddaughter, Chloe, this principle. I have a daughter at home and we have a granddaughter named Chloe. She's going to be turning five soon. And one of the things that I've been teaching her is the message of Christ and the gospel. And I've been showing her what is called the Evangi cube. Now, this is a cube that explains the message of salvation. Notice here in the first slide, you have a red person and then you have a black background. That represents all of humanity, the red person. I'm explaining this to my granddaughter. And the black represents sin. And the Bible says we're all sinful. We're born sinners, and then we choose to sin. Now, the bright spot represents God. God is holy. He's not sinful. And the Bible says that our sin separates us from God. There is a gulf between us and God because we are sinners. Now, God loves us, but he hates our sin. And unfortunately, when we die, the Bible says if we don't know Jesus, we'll be eternally separated from God in hell. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, not just physical death, but eternal death in hell. But the good news is this. Jesus Christ, as you open the cube, died on the cross for your sins. Then he was buried in a tomb. And then three days later, he rose from the dead to prove that he was the son of God. That is the only reason I'm a Christian. Every other religious leader is still dead. The reason why Mike Nimmer is a follower of Christ is the resurrection. I've researched it for over 30 years. I cannot disprove the resurrection. The evidence is overwhelming. Now, because Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible makes it very clear that he is the only way to God. I didn't make that claim. Jesus did. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Now, if I made that claim, you would think I'm one fry short of a happy meal. But the reason why Jesus made that claim, and I believe it, is because he rose from the dead to authenticate that claim. Now, when a person dies, and I explained this to my granddaughter, Chloe, a person is either going to go, next slide, to heaven or hell. So I said to my granddaughter, where would you like to go when you die? And she said, Papa, I want to go to heaven. And I said, what do you think you got to do to get there? She didn't know. And I said, well, being a good person is not going to get you there. And I explained the hand reaching out represents faith. When I repent of my sins and I trust in Jesus Christ alone and receive him as my Lord and Savior, the Bible makes it clear that I'm born again. By the way, just to believe that, just to be raised in the church or go to a Christian home and know all that doesn't necessarily mean you're a born-again believer. And so I explained this to my granddaughter, and then afterwards on the back... There are four symbols, and I explained to my granddaughter the middle symbol is a heart, and I explained that once you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, the heart represents seeking Christ. You got to know Christ first, and then you have to put him first in your life. That represents seeking Christ, and see, when the shepherds got the revelation from the angel that Jesus was born, they immediately sought after Christ to find him. And that's exactly what a Christian does when they come to know Jesus at salvation. They are to seek Christ. They're to put him first in their heart. Now, obviously, we're to pray, we're to read the Bible, we're to go to church, and we're to tell other people about Jesus, but it's seeking Christ in your heart. So let me ask you a question this evening. If you're a believer and you know Jesus Christ, are you seeking him? Just like the shepherds. 
It's going to be a battle till the day we go to heaven. But are you seeking him? Is he the number one priority in your life? You see, that's how to keep the Christmas spirit all year. There's a second way we can keep the Christmas spirit all year, and that is we are to share Christ. Notice, if you will, Luke 2, verses 17 and 18. When they had seen him, finally the shepherds found Jesus. And you can imagine what they were feeling in their heart when they saw this baby. It was surreal to them. Notice what they did. They didn't button their mouths. It says they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. In other words, they went around that village and they were telling people, hey, we just saw the Messiah. You say, what's the big deal? Well, you got to understand, this was a Jewish village and Jesus, the Messiah, was the hope of Israel. And so they kept spreading this word that the Messiah had been born. And notice the response in verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, I'm sure there were some that were skeptical, just like today when I talk about Jesus or others talk about Jesus. Some are amazed, some receive it, some reject it, and some are skeptical. But notice they shared Christ. If you want to keep the Christmas spirit all year, here's what God wants you to do if you're a Christian. He wants you to spread that message to other people. You say, well, Mike, why would I want to do that? Here's the reason why. The Bible says that people who do not know Jesus Christ are going to spend eternity separated from him. And so my job is to lovingly warn people, but also give them good news. Now, a lot of Christians act as if the gospel is bad news, and there is a bad news element to it, but it's good news. But many times we struggle to share that good news. I was reading a story about a woman who lived in Africa, and there was a missionary who went to this particular part of Africa. It was French-speaking. And this missionary led this old woman to Christ. She was in her 70s. She was blind, and she could not read, and she could not write. And this missionary led her to Christ, and she said, could you please give me a Bible in French? He said, sure. So he gave her the Bible, and she said, I can't see. Could you please open the Bible up to John 3.16 and could you underline it in red and mark it where it's at? And he said, sure. Well, he was curious as to why she was doing this. Well, the next day, she started going to an all-boys school. And when the boys filed out, she was there, and she would say, being blind, do you speak French? Do you read in French? And they would say yes. She would open the Bible to John 3.16, and she would say to the young boys coming out, could you please read that verse? And they would read it, and she would explain to them what Jesus did for them. She led many boys to Christ, and the story says that of all of the boys she led to Christ, 24 of them became pastors. Now, here is a woman who is blind. Here is a woman who cannot read. She cannot write. But you know what? She was available to be used by God. So here's what I want to encourage you. If you're a Christian and you know Jesus Christ, God wants you to spread the word just like the shepherds spread the gospel. But here's what I know. If you're not seeking Christ first, you're not going to want to spread the word. If I'm seeking Christ, if he's the object of my supreme affection, I'm going to share the good news of the gospel. So here's what I encourage you to do this year. Share with three people. Pray for a divine appointment and ask God to give you the opportunity to share the message of Christ. There's a third way that you and I could keep the Christmas spirit all year, 
and that is this. We are to meditate on Christ. We are to seek Christ. We are to share Christ. We are to meditate on Christ. Notice, if you will, Luke 2, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things. Here it is. And she pondered them in her heart. In other words, Mary reflected on the greatness of what is going on. She was drinking from a fire hose, and she was trying to take in all that was going on. I mean, the initial announcement by Gabriel, it was a supernatural announcement. Hey, you've never been with a man, but you're going to have a baby, and you're a virgin. That was overwhelming. And then on top of it, she goes to Elizabeth. Elizabeth is pregnant six months with Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. Then she has to deal with all the gossip of people talking in her village. Then she has to travel to Bethlehem. There's the birth. Then you got the shepherds showing up, and then, of course, the wise men. And then when she's at the temple, she has Simeon showing up. She has Anna showing up. All of this was overwhelming, let alone the three years of Jesus' ministry. She had to reflect. She had to ponder. You say, well, did Mary understand all the implications of this? And the answer is no. I don't think Mary understood all the implications, but notice she reflected and she pondered. And so here's a third way to keep the Christmas spirit all year, and that is we need to meditate and we need to reflect on God in Christ. You know what? We're so busy sometimes, we don't take time to meditate. Now, I'm not talking about Eastern transcendental meditation. Christians don't believe that's in the Bible. We're not to sit in a room and contemplate our navels all day. That's not what we do. The Bible says we are to meditate on the Word of God because the Word of God is where God and Jesus are. And so here's what I encourage you to do, especially those of you who are new at this. Open your Bible. Start reading. Read the Gospel of John. If you're a non-believer and you're skeptical, read the Gospel of John to see if what Jesus said was true. If you're a believer, have that daily time where you are imbibing the Word of God because you know what it does? When you imbibe the Word of God, you now take on the mind of Christ. Furthermore, I would encourage you to reflect on God's creation. You know, many times we don't enjoy God's creation. The other day I was taking a walk on this bike trail, and it was just me, and there was no one on the bike trail. It was evening, and... I was talking to God and I was praising him for the beautiful trees and the birds and everything else. And I had this, this experience with God. I was overwhelmed. I felt the presence of God in a very tangible way. And I began to praise God as I meditated on his vast creation. And listen, what we see in creation is but a poor reflection of what we're going to see in heaven. Heaven is not just some ethereal place. Heaven is a real place. And what we see on this earth is going to be up there. Listen, meditate on creation. We don't worship creation, but we meditate on the God of creation. And then finally, reflect on what God has done in your life. In other words, look at how God has worked in your life in the past. You know what? Think about that because that will cause you to praise Christ. And sometimes we don't know what God is doing in our life until we look back and see his providential hand. So you want to keep the Christmas spirit all year? Number one, you need to seek Christ. Number two, you need to share Christ. Number three, you need to meditate on Christ. There's a fourth way that you and I can keep the Christmas spirit all year, and that is we are to praise Christ. We are to praise Christ. Notice, if you will, verse 20 of Luke chapter 2, the shepherds returned. Now listen, they were out in the fields. It was dark. There was no city lights. All they could see was the stars, and it was a humdrum night, just like when you go to work and it's humdrum, and you're like, man, another day of monotony. And then all of a sudden, 
Gabriel shows up in this bright light, and the Bible says they were scared to death. And so when they found Jesus, when they came back and they returned, listen, they were never the same. God took an ordinary night and he made it extraordinary. And notice what they did when they returned back to their shepherding. It says they were glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They were worshiping and they were praising God. You know, one of the ways that we can keep the Christmas spirit all year is to praise God on a regular basis, to thank him. We all struggle with this because, listen, the more you have, the more you grumble and complain. The more you have, the less you tend to praise God. And what I have found is when I'm in my pity party, when I'm struggling, you know what? Deliberately thank God even though you don't always feel like thanking Him. There are times where I don't want to be thankful. I want to be critical. I want to be negative. But when I praise God, whether I feel like it or not, you know what it does? It changes my perspective. And you see, as Christians... We have God living in us, Christ living in us through the Holy Spirit, and that elicits praise out of us. Watch this video to see this. Bible says Christ lives in us, and that elicits praise. So if you want to keep the Christmas spirit all year, be thankful. Praise God, especially when you're going through a trial. That's the time where God wants us to praise him, even though we don't always understand. Well, there's one final way this evening that we can keep the Christmas spirit all year, and that is we should obey Christ. 
we should obey Christ. Now, Mary and Joseph enter into the picture here, and there are three ways that Mary and Joseph exhibited their obedience to God. First of all, circumcision and the naming of Christ. Notice, if you will, verse 21, on the eighth day. Now, this was the day that God commanded all male Jewish boys to be circumcised. By the way, they know that on the eighth day, vitamin K is the highest, which is what causes blood clotting. And so it says on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. Typically, when they would circumcise a male child, they would name him. And by the way, it says here the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. That was what the angel told Mary and Joseph they were to name the child, which was Jesus. And so Mary and Joseph were fastidious, obedient Jews. And the first thing they did in keeping with the law was they circumcised Jesus and they named Jesus. Now, why did they circumcise in that day? Well, there's three reasons. Number one was medical, to prevent disease. Secondly, it was a sign that you were a part of the nation of Israel. It was a sign that you were in covenant with God. God instituted it all the way back to Abraham in the Old Testament that every male child was to be circumcised on the eighth day as a sign of the covenant. And then finally, circumcision was given to remind the parents that they were sinful in their heart and they gave birth to a sinful child. That's why the Bible says, circumcise your hearts. In other words, you got to cut the foreskin of your heart out. What is that foreskin in your heart? It's your sin nature. And the only way that'll be cut out is if Jesus comes into your life. Now, you say, but wait a minute, Mike, Jesus wasn't a sinner. Listen, the reason why Jesus was circumcised was he wanted to keep the law perfectly in order to be qualified to die for you and I. Jesus didn't have to be baptized by John the Baptist. He had no sin. But he said to John the Baptist, I'm going to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. He wanted to keep the law. Jesus didn't have to be circumcised, but Jesus was in order to keep the law, even though Jesus wasn't sinful. And so Mary and Joseph obeyed through circumcision and naming. Secondly, the purification of Mary. Notice, if you will, verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, and then verse 24 is not up on the screen, but I'll add this here, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. What's going on here? Well, if you read in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 12, when a woman gave birth to a male, she was considered ceremonially unclean for 40 days. Now, it's symbolic. The woman was not allowed to go to the temple. She was unclean for 40 days. If she gave birth to a woman or a daughter, she was unclean for 66 days. And so at the end of her purification, at the end of the 40 days, Mary and Joseph traveled from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And what they did, based on Leviticus chapter 12, was they were to offer up a lamb or a sacrifice, and that would purify Mary. Now, here's the problem. Mary was poor and Joseph was poor. They could not offer up a lamb. So it says at the end of the verse, they could offer up two pigeons or two doves as a substitute for the lamb. And so we see where Mary and Joseph obeyed the law for Mary's purification. There's one final way that they obeyed God based on the Old Testament, and that's found in verses 22 through 24. This is the dedication of Christ. Notice, if you will, when the time came... For the purification rites required by the law of Moses, 
Joseph and Mary, notice what it says, they did with Jesus. They took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And then he quotes here, Exodus chapter 13, as is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. In other words, God required that when a woman gave birth to a male child, they were to take that child to the temple and dedicate that child to the Lord, and they were to pay five shekels. In other words, that baby belonged to the Lord, belonged to God, because God spared all the firstborn of Egypt. And God said, in order to get that child back, you have to redeem that child. So instead of dedicating your child and leaving them at the temple where they'll serve me, you can pay five shekels and you could take the child back. And so we see Jesus here was redeemed. The Redeemer was redeemed. They dedicated Jesus to the Lord. It's kind of like today, a baby dedication, a little bit different. But when you dedicate your child to the Lord, that's what Mary and Joseph were doing. So how did Mary and Joseph obey the Lord? Number one was the circumcision and naming of Jesus. Secondly was the purification of Mary. And thirdly was the dedication of Jesus. And so here's a fifth and final way that you and I can keep the Christmas spirit all year is that we need to be Christians who walk in obedience to the Lord. Now, we're not going to do that perfectly. I blow it all the time. But I keep a short account of sin. Lord, forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. Lord, I shouldn't have got an argument with my wife. I provoked that argument. Lord, I shouldn't have looked at that person that way. Lord, forgive me for judging that person. You know what? I have to deal with sin on a regular basis. But my heart is bent towards obedience. In fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 8. If you want to know if you're a true disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus said a true disciple in John chapter 8 walks in obedience. If you profess to be a Christian, but you have no interest in obeying God, you better question whether or not you're really saved. You don't want to be that person on the judgment day where you say, Lord, Lord, and Jesus looks at you and says, depart from me. I never knew you. I didn't have a relationship with you. So there's five ways to keep the Christmas spirit. Let's look at them. The first way is we need to seek after Christ. The second way is we need to share Christ. The third way is we need to meditate on Christ. The fourth way is we need to praise Christ. And finally, we need to obey Christ. How about you? Do you want to keep the Christmas spirit all year? Or do you just want to celebrate it during the month of December? Let's pray. Father, we thank you this evening for the opportunity to worship you, to meditate on you, to praise you. What a great opportunity, Father, it is. And we thank you for celebrating, Lord God, the birth of your Son and giving us the opportunity to celebrate that as well. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that they would open their heart to you. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ. You know, if you died tonight, you're not sure you would go to heaven. Well, tonight you can make sure that you know you're going to go to heaven. And what I'm going to ask you to do, and you're not pressured to do this. I'm not going to have you stand. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. But if you would like to invite Jesus into your life tonight, and you would like to ask him to be your Lord and Savior and to forgive you of all your sins, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to pray this simple prayer. Praying the prayer doesn't save you. It's whether or not you mean it. But if you mean this, pray quietly after me. 
Lord Jesus, I come to you as a sinner. I've broken your law, and I deserve hell. But your word says that Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. I believe that. And I confess you as my personal Lord and Savior. I receive you into my life and trust in you alone for the forgiveness of sins. Father, I don't depend on my good life to get me into heaven, but I depend on your Son, Christ. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, Jesus said this in John chapter 6, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. If you meant that prayer and it was genuine, you now are forgiven and have everlasting life. Talk to me after the service. We want to help you grow in your walk with God. Let's stand as we close in worship and let's praise our great God.